Welcome to the Honest EP podcast. We are the podcast for health professionals and the wider community looking to explore diverse ideas in health, ask some hard questions and have some honest conversations. My name is Archie, I'm an EP based on Sydney's Northern Beaches and joining me as always is allied health business owner and mentor, Andrew. How are you? I'm well. How are you? <laughs> very well. Thank you. I just got flipped off for adding a mental there. I'm not very happy about that. But I'll let it pass because there's no point squabbling. We have a guest today. We have Joe with us today. Joe, can I use your last name? Yes. Okay. Joe Duncan Nagy is with us. Uh, and Joe has brought a beer for us. So, Joe, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself while I open the beer? And then you can tell us a little bit about the beer that I'm opening. Okay, well, that second part's going to be quick because I don't know a lot about beer. <laughs> um, but I am an exercise physiologist working here at Rebound. Um, I am also an avid rower. I've been rowing for eight years. Um, I have some disgusting calluses that all my clients know that I have to explain. <laughs> um, and I really like my work as an EP. It's, I find it really fulfilling and interesting every day. So, yeah. Great summary. Thank you. This beer, on mm. the other hand, uh, I just find it's tasty. Doesn't make you too bubbly in the tummy. Uh, mm. And goes down quite nicely. My friend Dudley introduced it to me, so thank you, Dudley. Little shout out. Well, thank you, <laughs> Dudley? Dudley? Is his surname. Oh, okay, right. I'm not going to reveal <laughs> any more personal information about Dudley. <laughs> Dudley Dursley? No. Vernon <laughs> Dudley? Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Pacifico. Mm. Pacifico. I think it's Mexican. Clara. Sounds pretty Mexican. Oh, <laughs> Clara. Oh. <laughs> Oh, no, not Clara. It says Clara on it. Then. That's my bias coming in there. <laughs> Andrew, there's no description for you to read about what the flavours are in it. It's very Pacific-y, Too, I think. You have to just give us your own explanation. It's, then. I agree. It's, it's, it's very easy on the tummy. Mm. Um, it is Mex- Me- Mexican. I think so. Yeah. Mm. If we smell it, will it tell us? I, <laughs> little, little things will come up into your nose. Definitely. Yeah. It, it's our first bottle, bottled beer on the podcast. Really? I thought it made a very nice noise when we opened it. So we might even get some more bottles on next time. Mm. Anyway, not too much beer chat today. Uh, we have some actual interesting, important things to talk about. Uh, we're talking about COVID and exercise today. As all three of us are EPs, some form of another. <laughs> Andrew? Um, and we've been seeing quite a lot of this lately. And Joe's done quite a bit of research recently into it as well. Uh, but Joe, why don't you give us a little overview about what we're going to cover today and then we'll dive into each of the topics. Sure. So firstly, we're going to have a little talk about what happens to the body generally when we do have COVID, why you might be told to rest when you have a COVID diagnosis, um, what can returning to exercise look like and how to pace up your exercise and activity so you can get back to your pre-COVID levels, whatever that looks like. Um, without kind of prolonging your recovery and maybe um, risking some of those things that your doctor may have mentioned to you. Nice. That'd be really, really interesting. First of all, who's had COVID here? I've had COVID. I've had COVID. Andrew's had Archie hasn't had COVID. Oh, he's done very oh, well. Doing very, very well. I think I'm actually immune to it. Yeah, you say that now. Yeah. <laughs> I think they should take my blood and experiment on my body because I've been around it so much and I still haven't had it. But yeah, there you go. Cool. Well, Joe, why don't we start that first one, which is what's actually happening to the body um, when we have COVID? Yeah. So COVID, um, just like any other virus, starts a 
basically an immune reaction. So if you imagine the little COVID bits are coming into your airways. The little and, green things. <laughs> yeah, little green yeah, things. Yeah. <laughs> With <laughs> like angry faces on them. But, but yeah, 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 yeah. Really angry faces. Like the emoji. Pitchforks. Yeah. <laughs> Very scary. <laughs> your body knows that it's scary. It doesn't like them. And so your body has this great defense system called your immune system. And basically it launches an attack on COVID and tries to make it as hostile as possible. So um, it starts this inflammatory response that can kind of irritate your other you know, organs. So you might get a bit of a cough, um, sore throat, headache, fever, this kind of thing. And that's just basically a side product of your body trying to kick that virus out and say, go away, it's trying to kill it um, to protect you because that's ultimately what the body does. Um, and either that's done relatively quickly and you might have some mild symptoms and then you slowly start to get better as your body regains some control again and that virus level decreases. Um, or you might experience some more severe symptoms and um, you might have to be monitored by your GP or some people do end up going to the hospital for that. And most of the research is based on people who end up going to hospital. Mm. So there's not actually a lot of data about people with mild disease and we'll talk about why that's important later on. Um, but most people just end up having mild disease, which is great. And the body can just do its thing. You may have used some medication to help you along mm. as well. Nice. I think it's quite interesting because we've seen, well, everyone knows so many people who've had it and such varying degrees of it. And even in here where we're seeing people with a lot of medical conditions uh, and things, sometimes people are just kind of barely affected by it. Um, even though you go, oh, geez, look at all these risk factors for having quite severe symptoms. And then uh, their, their wife or their husband, you know, possibly being affected by the same strain at the same time, crazy amounts of um, symptoms and that sort of thing and affected for long times. Yeah, and your severity of disease, so whether it was mild, moderate or severe, um, we're finding that that's not really telling us how long you'll experience symptoms for after that first infection is kind of resolved. So uh -huh. even if you have mild disease, you can have ongoing symptoms, which is why I feel like this talk is relevant today because I think most of my clients who've had it have taken a little bit to get over it, more than, say, the common cold or the flu. Mm -hmm. Right, okay. But if so, you're saying that if even though if they have mild or moderate symptoms doesn't necessarily mean that they'll recover faster than someone with severe symptoms. Correct. And it should always be noted that this is new and we don't have heaps of high quality data on it. So there's a lot of unknowns at the moment, but that seems to be the case. That's a good disclosure point, actually. Um, Definitely, yeah. That there is not heaps of data, mm. um, but there is, of the research available, that's what the information we're talking about is coming from. Yeah, and that's why um, clinicians are guided to use their clinical judgment and that's why you should seek expertise from your healthcare professional your medical professional um, for information that's related to you so in in the uh, vein of you know us staying in our lane here and as exercise physiologists we are going to stick to the role that exercise can play um, there's I, I've seen it um, in our clinic that people are taught or told quite different things about rejoining exercise after COVID. Um, there's a lot of different perspectives. Yes, there it. is, yep. Um, can you shed some light into what does the research say that's uh, the safest way 
to re-engage. Definitely. Okay, so in the absence of really good clinical, sorry, really good research um, and high quality data, um, clinicians are told to use their clinical judgment and a guideline has been created. So the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners um, have been advised by the Australasian College of Sport and Exercise Physicians mm -hmm. on safe return to exercise after COVID-19. And this is something, uh, a resource that general practitioners can use. And it's very clear and it leads a map that basically starts at returning to your normal everyday activities, like doing the washing and looking after yourself and then light activity. So maybe some light gardening work and then getting into the exercise side of things a bit more, but it's this graded approach. And this is actually very similar to an approach we take with people who experience chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia or other conditions where we need to start at a low level and then get used to that and pace up slowly. So everybody's an individual and using clinical judgment becomes really important. There are also some methods that they recommend people can use, such as um, judging your own intensity through RPE, which you can do yourself and um, you can actually use this guideline if you wanted to and have a look and apply it to your individual mm. circumstance. Uh, EP question for Andrew here. Andrew, what's RPE stand for? Uh, relative perceived <laughs> exertion. <laughs> Is that good? Is that close? It's close. It's close. I got two birds It's close. It's, it's, close. it's very close. It's not good oh, But it's it's no <laughs> it's cigar. It's no cigar. Um, it's it's rate rate uh, perceived. Exertion. I've learned something today. How oh, good is that? Something you would have learned maybe fifteen years ago. Thank you. For and then as letting people know. <laughs> it's been a while. I thought I'd challenge you there. You're looking too comfortable. I was looking very comfortable. He's oh, there you go. I thought I threw you a softball there. No, that's. <laughs> <laughs> I need to replace some of my my books over here. Maybe with we some should lower the bar. Business Archie. mentor, <laughs> no, not clinical, not mentor. clinical mentor. Thank you, Archibald. Uh, so, should people get back to exercise straight away, or should they? Is there a, a, a safe amount of time that people should rest before they get back into what they were doing beforehand? Very good question. So, this guideline addresses that, and what it's recommending is that you rest 10 days from the onset of your diagnosis and then you should be symptom free for seven days before returning to your normal activity. So day one, you get your positive COVID test. Oh no, I have to go and isolate. Hmm. Most people have to stay in that isolation for a certain amount of time anyway. And then the important bit of that is being symptom free for seven days. And that's because if you have a virus in your body, you are unwell, so you should rest. And your immune system actually takes up a lot of energy when it's fighting a virus. So that rest is really important to help your body do the best it can to get better quicker. And also we wanna look out for um, things like shortness of breath, onset of like chest pain, symptoms that are not normal, because that's an indication that your body is still fighting something and it might require a helping hand or that extra rest before you put more stress on it because ultimately exercise is a stressor to mm. the body that's how it adapts and becomes stronger but if we stress it too much when it's already busy fighting something else that's not helpful mm. Mm. and clarifying 
like what we mean by rest there is not necessarily like bed rest no. for seven days, right? Bed, like rest is just not actively going and exerting yourself. Is that what we mean? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So do your, you know, normal gentle moving around things, cooking dinner, housework. Living. Um, living, yep. yeah, just living. If you're in isolation, then you, you're probably staying at home anyway, mm. you know. Um, and just being aware of what your body's doing. So if you're finding that climbing stairs is really taxing because you're short of breath or you have fatigue, that's something that I experienced. Mm. That's probably too high of an activity because you're really experiencing those symptoms at that point. Whereas something like just gently pacing, you know, up and down the flat corridor, I found okay and mm. helped me just be less stiff and move around. Mm. Um, it's okay to take breaks from your regular exercise routine. Life ebbs and flows and, you know, that should that should happen <laughs> in everybody's life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we don't need to continue our regular you know, three days run, strength training, whatever it is at this time. What about like competing in Ironmans? Is that recommended <laughs> um, two weeks post COVID? So, <laughs> I feel like I'm being, I'm being targeted today. This is not, I'm, you are, it's not, a rough day for Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to do a half Ironman um, about 10 days after um, I got COVID, um, which was interesting because my experience was I, I felt quite sick for maybe 36 hours, but then felt quite fine. Um, didn't really feel much like ongoing symptoms was I got back into my training, although it was reduced volume. Um, I, I got back into it quite easily, but then when I went and did this Ironman, um, when I started the run, I felt like I had been hit by a bus. Like I felt like every time I tried to push a little bit harder, my chest got a bit tighter. Mm. I felt like just heavy mm. everywhere. Mm. Is that an unusual experience for you in that event? It is, yeah. Um, having done a few of these before, yeah. I normally would get off the bike and feel quite good, um, at least for the first 5Ks before it sort of reality kicks in. Um, but this time it was like any time I tried to like run up to my normal speed, it was like there was a wall and I just couldn't push through it. So it was interesting for me yeah. because that like the lower intensity stuff, I felt like I could do as normal. But then as soon as I crept up just a little bit higher into that intensity, it was like, no, nope, yeah. can't do that. Yeah. What are you and- doing? Even though that's interesting because your version of lower intensity in that event is Mm. probably more like moderate (laughs) intensity after a long (laughs) endurance event. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting because it it probably kind of exposed you to symptoms that you probably wouldn't have felt if you just returned to training in a progressive, gradual Mm. way. Um, But it's probably what people notice a lot more if they are experiencing longer symptoms. and they're trying to return to whatever that higher intensity exercise is for them, whether that is climbing stairs or mm. going for a light jog mm. or return to gym training. Those are probably similar symptoms um, that you just brought on by doing. And I think to come back to your RPE scale, or your <laughs> rate of perceived exertion Way! scale, <laughs> for me that was going from maybe like a five to a seven. And for me that was like the like big stopping point 
when I when I went from getting off the bike at like a, a five to running and jumped up to a seven. It's like, okay, that's it for me. Mm. Like that's where it feels very not comfortable, not nice. Yeah. Like I don't I'm not enjoying this mm. anymore. And I'm certainly not advocating that people should no. should yeah. go and do these things. I'm just saying what my experience was mm, mm. when I did it. Gone ahead and done it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, to answer your question of whether that's recommended, mm. it's not recommended, but that doesn't mean <laughs> that you're going to suffer from doing that or be really unwell. As you know, we've mentioned a couple of times before, because of just the sheer lack of evidence, we have to take a cautionary approach mm. and researchers and doctors have to do that because that's a sensible and safe thing to do. Um, also drawing from what we know from other conditions that are similar, so other post-viral experiences that people have. Um, when, so normally after I do a race, I'm sore, like muscle sore for a bit, um, you know, a day or two, but um, I'm never exhausted. Like almost can't get out of bed. Like I think I slept most of the next day. Yeah, well, And that is very abnormal for me mm. um you you mentioned chronic fatigue before on fibromyalgia and, and one of the things that i noticed when i was working with clients that had those conditions was that when you pushed a little bit too hard that could be a side effect not necessarily when people were actually exercising but 24 and 48 hours later is that kind of the same Yes. expectation here yeah definitely so not only at the time of the activity um, should you be ideally looking for some things that are going on in your body just being curious you know what's happening here also how it affects you afterwards um, because yeah sometimes it does some other symptoms don't show up um, for a little bit longer or everybody's different so you may have done something and it showed up the day later but when I was doing it I knew at the time that that was too much mm-hmm. and I wasn't doing an Ironman Mm. <laughs> I think no, yeah, I was mm. doing very basic activities, mm. um, and my body knew no, don't do that. Mm. I cannot cope. <laughs> so, in terms of using a RPE scale, then um, do we recommend that if people are feeling uh, fine and they're working at an RPE of say three out of ten or four out of ten, and it's totally okay, uh, if they then want to increase? just trying to go up by smaller increments at the time is that the idea yeah absolutely and that's something that we use clinically with our clients as well because if you make a big jump it's hard to say Mm. what level was actually not okay Mm. whereas if you go up in your little increments and you give your body time to adjust that's just the principle of progressive overload yeah which most people unknowingly use when they go to the gym anyway yeah um it's a safe way to progress and Mm. it also gives you a chance to reflect and say yes that was fine or, no, no, that wasn't fine. And this was the weight that mm. it wasn't okay at. Mm. And it doesn't matter what your, you know, progression is and what your timeline is as long as, you know, you feel like you're slowly making your way back to where you were. There's no race yeah. that you have to run. Yeah. For most people, athletes is a different situation. They have other pressures. Mm. Um, but if you can afford to, you know, take the time and just mm. be patient, then ultimately that's that's what's being recommended. Mm. In terms of on progressive overload, it's interesting with conditions uh, like musculoskeletal pain or uh, fibromyalgia and that sort of thing, sometimes it's appropriate to push into a little bit of discomfort, a little bit of symptoms. Uh, is it the same with COVID or in our 
uh, limited research should we be avoiding symptoms while easing back into things? So there are some symptoms which are not acceptable. Mm -hmm. Those include chest pain, uh, severe shortness of breath. Mm -hmm. So even, you know, things, and these occur at rest as well, but during exercise, severe shortness of breath, um, your chest pain, unusual body aches, um, especially if they're new in onset. So maybe you've started to feel better and then you mm -hmm. start getting into some things and you haven't jumped it up that much and you get these new symptoms, it's probably a little bit of a flag to go, oh, I should watch that, or maybe I should speak to my doctor about that. Mm. Um, in terms of having manageable symptoms mm -hmm. is what we're really looking for. So a small change where you think, I've noticed something here, but I can tolerate that. That's not ruining my day. I can get on and do the other things. That's okay and that's acceptable. Okay. But that's that advice is not from COVID research because mm. we just don't have enough. We don't have it. Mm. Yeah. But that's, you know, what's been extrapolated from how we manage other conditions. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So say you're noticing a little more fatigue while you're exercising than the day after, um, maybe slightly more soreness than you would normally expect or slightly more fatigue than you normally expect from a workout, but it's manageable and you can still go about your day. That's okay. Yeah, and probably that's a sign that the level that you're working at is the right level. Mm. You probably wouldn't want to jump it up too much mm. more than that. Mm. Um, just, you know, wait until your body's adjusting. And then once you're feeling good at that, you can pace mm. it up. Mm -hmm. The research is kind of being very conservative. Yeah. And some articles say uh, a week at, you know, each different mm. level. Um, so really taking a, quite a lot of time at each pace. Mm -hmm. I think that's where... Uh, some health officials but then also people uh, are being like quite conservative because they're erring on the safe side of things yes and that's where i think we've had quite a few clients come in where they've uh, tested positive had their week off and they've let us know it's like hey i tested positive for covid and then my doctors told me that i shouldn't be doing any exercise for four weeks post that um, and their doctors just kind of put a blanket rule over the top going, nope, no exercise because we're going to be safe. Uh, whereas uh, then they've only had symptoms for similar to you, Andrew. They've had symptoms for like 24 hours, whereas very, very mild. They've had colds and flus that were worse than that. So they've spent the next week in isolation just kind of hanging about, waiting to go do something. And then they'd come back in and kind of worked at a lighter intensity with more rest in their first few sessions. And they're feeling absolutely fine. Mm. And they didn't need any more than the week off they are already mandated to have. Mm. Um, so I think in that situation, the, the blanket rule is not really appropriate. Um, it's, it's very individual. Mm. And I think that that can apply to everyone with COVID, that your symptoms are not the same as anyone else's symptoms. Your experience is very different to everyone else's. Uh, and you have to manage your own situation individually. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think one of the, the challenges <clears throat> with that is that as COVID has had so much publicity uh, and so much opinion on it over the last two years, um, when a doctor says, like a blanket four-week rule, people can tend to like hold on mm. to that as being like, mm. oh, I might get, or my doctor said, Mm. myocarditis mm. and that's like oh that sounds scary like mm. what what does that mean mm. um 
Joe, could you maybe speak to myocarditis and, and like, is that something that people should be overtly concerned about when they are coming back to exercise? Yeah, myocarditis is the inflammation of the muscle of the heart. This is not something that we want. It's painful. It can be painful at rest and upon exertion. Um, so even if you're just walking along or if you're pushing a pram or something like that. Um, most of the research on myocarditis comes from people who were hospitalized and had severe COVID symptoms. So it's hard to extrapolate, you know, evidence and information onto people who had mild symptoms, even though definitely people with mild COVID can develop myocarditis or pericarditis, which is similar, but more about the inflammation of the sac that kind of lines the heart. Mm. Um, in this situation, myocarditis is, we don't want to be exercising with it. Um, and there are strict actually return to exercise protocols. And most people would be referred to uh, a specialist in order to assess that. Um, most people won't get myocarditis. It's definitely something to look out for, but you'll know when you have it and it will be uncomfortable and you'll be able to go to your GP and say, I'm experiencing this. And then they can do a bunch of tests. They might do a blood test. They might do a little bit of a, a scan and see what's going on. Um, it's a, it's a concern, but it's not something that most of the population will experience. Mm. Um, and that kind of links nicely into the fact that people are stratified for risk differently in these guidelines that we've been talked about. So the information that your doctor gives you might not be the same as what mine gave me because we might have different risk levels. Mm. Should I talk about that for a, a second? So Yes, you should. <laughs> in the um, guidelines, so the returning to physical activity post-COVID infection, uh, people who are low risk are classified as those with mild or no symptoms, have upper respiratory symptoms only, um, were younger and have recreational exercise goals. So not your athlete competing for the Olympics. Mm. Um, they're kind of advised to like do that whole 10 days of rest from the onset of diagnosis and symptoms and then have at least seven days symptom-free before returning to graded exercise. So starting at your activities of daily living, going on to light, medium, and then you can go back to whatever you're doing before. That's slightly different from people who were classified as intermediate risk. So these people had symptoms for greater than seven days, had dyspnea, which is shortness of breath, um, chest pain with their COVID infection. They were an elite or endurance athlete. So you may have fit into this <laughs> criteria. <laughs> endurance athlete. Endurance athlete. Um, I'll add it to the intro. Breath yeah. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> They have a history of asthma or chronic fatigue. And these people um, are suggested to have blood tests, an ECG, which monitors your heart activity. Um, and then if that's all clear, they can return to graded exercise therapy. Nice. But there's a couple more screening things for those sure. people with intermediate risk. Yeah. And then we have high risk. So um, someone who was hospitalized or in the ICU because of COVID has an abnormal ECG um, or troponin levels and troponin is basically signaling if that's in the blood there's something going on with the heart there okay. so that's kind of leading into the whole um, myocarditis mm -hmm. situation 
prolonged shortness of breath or chest pain at rest or with minimal exertion, um, a history of cardiac disease. And then there's a whole lot of other tests that they're going to be looking at to make sure that basically you're safe to return to exercise because as we've talked about, it's a stress on the body. Mm. So we don't want to be overly stressing it if at baseline it's already having some trouble. And then, yeah, if you are eventually cleared, you can return to exercise. Return to graded exercise. Return to graded exercise therapy. Um, the thing about graded exercise therapy is we want to establish our normal patterns of behaviour. So, one, so one, sorry, one thing that's mentioned is that returning to work or school. For a lot of people, uh, they can experience cognitive fatigue, so even just concentrating at school for a whole day can be hard. If that's hard or doing your normal work job is hard, then prioritise getting that back to normal because that's really important. In terms of getting that, like getting activities back to normal, is that time? Is there things that we can do about that? Like what, what do we actually do? Is it a bit of a waiting game in terms of symptoms relieving uh, for that level of activity? It can be a bit of a waiting game. Yeah. But also using your RPE that we talked about. To, RPE. Yeah. <laughs> what a day. <laughs> to, to rate how hard activities are. Um, just paying a little bit more attention to the body and um, it might just need some more rest and that's okay. It's been through a virus that we have never experienced before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Nice. Just managing those symptoms and making sure they're tolerable and getting that extra help if you do feel like you need it. Mm-hmm. We've spent a bit of time talking about like the negative side to it. Is there a positive side to exercise and immunity? Absolutely. Um, so you may have been told that exercise can boost your immune system <laughs> and it's true <laughs> <laughs> at least at the moment we think it's true <laughs> <laughs> until proven otherwise until proven otherwise willing to be proven wrong yeah particularly um, moderate intensity so this is something that we would say it's somewhat hard mm. if you're using your RPE scale mm. out of 10 you're sitting at like a 4 to a 5 mm. out of 10 okay we're in that middle zone you can do it, you can hold a conversation relatively normally, you're not gasping for breath. Yeah, but there's a little bit of huff and puff going on. A little bit of huff and puff. Yeah. Exactly. Um, moderate intensity exercise when done regularly can help improve our immunity, so maybe make you less likely to get an infection again. Mm-hmm. Especially all those normal ones like cold and flu that we're around all the time. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you tell your clients, Archie, about exercise and immunity? Look, I generally tell my clients that exercise is going to be good for most of your bodily functions and all of your different systems. Um, But yeah, echoing what you said, like if you are able to start exercising and you can do it without those uh, big contraindications or side effects, let's start doing it because exercise has got so many other benefits as well. That would be so beneficial. It'll help you sleep. It'll help your energy. It'll help managing your fatigue. Um, it'll actually help your concentration and cognitive abilities. So all of those things that COVID seems to affect, uh, sim- like the, the COVID symptoms that go ongoing, uh, exercise is going to be really beneficial for if, you, if you're ready to do it. Yeah. So let's start getting back into it. You know? Note that you don't need to give yourself the, the four weeks rest uh, blanket rule if you're feeling totally fine and you haven't been stratified into one of those higher risk categories and you haven't any of the tests done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
It's also a good chance to practice grading and changing your exercise and being flexible with your routine is really important. That sound is just so nice. It's so good. <laughs> Wish I wasn't talking. Oh. <laughs> Can we redo it? <laughs> Joe, I had to point at you to like uh, make sure you drank. Okay, come on, quiet. Oh. How good. For those who can't see it, which is everybody other than Joe and Andrew, I'm, <laughs> I'm using one of those big barbecue tools to open it and it's got a little bottle opener on the back. So it looks a little comedic, but it's very satisfying to do. And I think it's going to replay really well on the podcast. So, like, rookie question here. Um, what we've spoken about so far is about an acute COVID infection, right? Returning to exercise after having COVID. Then there's this thing called long COVID, mm. right? What's long COVID? Okay. Long COVID has a couple of different definitions about the time frame. So some groups are saying, and I'm talking about like the RACGP or the British equivalent of that. Mm. Um, symptoms longer than three weeks some uh, six weeks so it depends a little bit but it's basically persistent symptoms after your acute infection has passed do the guidelines change for long covid or do we not know enough about long covid yet to have guidelines we don't know enough about long covid yet although what is out there is basically pointing in the same direction Mm -hmm. um this guideline isn't specifically for acute situations. It's just after you've had the infection. So this one doesn't have a time stamp on it. And again, using what we know from other conditions which produce similar symptoms, a graded approach to exercise is very helpful, especially mm. because if you do have long COVID, it's most likely that those symptoms are significantly impacting your life. Um, and we know that bed rest is not a good thing anymore. Mm. We don't tend to prescribe that. Mm -hmm. um, but for it anything. Can, yeah, for anything, yeah. Mm. really. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, and I suppose the challenge there comes, and, and particularly with you know, the reflection on uh, chronic fatigue previously, is that sometimes people find it very hard mm. to like get out of bed. Mm. Like if, yeah. if we're comparing symptoms and... Um, those symptoms of long COVID are, are similar to that of chronic fatigue. Like physically getting out of bed can be really hard for people. And we're saying like, go and exercise. Mm. Yeah. Um, challenging. Very much so. My question to that is if you have long COVID symptoms and they're, you know, going on for a while, does it matter that they came from COVID? Or now, like in our clinical setting here, don't we just treat you like we treat everybody else with chronic fatigue, no matter how or where it came from? What the fatigue is caused what by, What the fatigue right? is caused by. Is it glandular mm. fever? Is it long COVID? Yeah. Mm. What's the fatigue come from? Mm. Yeah. We depression. still treat it the same. Yeah, depression. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so would, you know, the, the, the prescription that you would have for somebody with long COVID coming back into exercise... Would that differ too much then? I imagine if someone was experiencing long COVID, their symptoms might be a little bit more prolonged than someone just recovering from an infection. So prioritising return to your activities of daily living is going to be 
much higher because that stage is probably going to just go on for a bit longer. Mm. Mm. Whereas, you know, most people can go back to cooking after they've had COVID mm. pretty quickly or they're just doing it throughout mm. or they had no symptoms at all mm. if they mm. were lucky. And I guess it means that uh, where you start your graded exercise program is just at a lower intensity mm. where instead of hey let's go about doing a moderate intensity bout of structured exercise it's like let's go about moving around the house and lifting small items that will allow you to actually open the fridge and cook on the stove and go to the toilet and shower yourself and that sort of thing yeah so it's just starting the graded process at a lower intensity and then you may just be spending longer time at each of those um, each of those stages on the way back up. Yeah, absolutely. And if that's something that's taxing for you at that time, then it's okay to not push beyond mm. that because that is your moderate intensity. Yeah. Mm. And mm. that's fine. And mm. what our guidelines say is that we should stick to things that are light to moderate to begin with. So Yeah. Yeah. It's all relative, it's all individual. So if the the lifting or opening the fridge door and walking around the house for 10 minutes is is too much and that's causing the next day of really exaggerated fatigue and symptoms it's like all right that's too much for you right now let's tone it back to something a little bit less than that and then building from there up so I, i'd imagine it's exactly the same thing yeah just probably starting at a lower level and spending longer at each stage and if you've progressed quicker so like Andrew, you've gone and done your, your major event. Mm. doesn't mean that you've done the wrong thing, yeah. especially if you've ended up fine. <laughs> like Andrew, would you say you've been fine? I would say that I've been fine. I wouldn't say he's been fine. <laughs> I don't remember what RPE is. So something's going really very, very I think wrong. we blame the COVID on that one. <laughs> it's destroyed all of your, your EP education. It is. Just I targeted that. I didn't have much. Just to be specifically fair. your 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 university knowledge. Coming back to my university knowledge, <laughs> um, there's a segue. Um, my should people get their GP to clear them before they go back to exercise? Okay, so if you had no symptoms during COVID and you're feeling good afterwards, unnecessary. If you had some mild symptoms, but they've resolved and it's not going on for more than seven days, so you're in the low risk category, no, you don't need to be cleared for exercise. If you're starting to have symptoms that are unusual or you've got new onset of some things, you have a pre-existing medical condition, um, then it would, or you are an athlete, like we talked Mm. about before, then it would be wise Mm. to consult, consult your doctor. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then if you'd been in hospital, then you would have been uh, in contact with Yes, they would be monitoring you. And medical staff, so... Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially if you did end up having some sort of other condition from COVID. Mm. You would have received advice about that. Mm. Or if you just feel like you're really uncertain and you want to go, that's also okay too. Mm. Yeah, if, if you want that reassurance, then you, you should go and get that. Mm. Joe, um, you you mentioned to uh, to us before we started that you have a bunch of questions from your friends uh, and from people who knew we were going to do this podcast that they would like to know some answers to. Yeah. Would you like to bring them up? I would. All right. Let's bring them up. Andrew's got the questions ready. Question number one. 
what would be the best way to ease yourself into training again? Follow the return to physical activity oh, guidelines. Yeah. <laughs> well done. We learned something. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry if that sounded like we were degrading the question. No, <laughs> no, no. We, yeah, we yeah. have answered that, I feel like. Is running fine? I think, yeah, running is fine as long as you're doing an integrated approach. If you are uh, normally a 10 to 15k runner, don't start with a 10 to 15k. Start with a 1 to 2k. Feel fine, no symptoms, great. Progress to a 3 to 4k. Feel fine, great, etc., etc. Working your way back up, great yeah. approach. If you're getting symptoms that are unusual, so mm. yes, you can be out of breath when you exercise. But if you aren't normally out of breath when you exercise at that mm. level, that's a key sign not to progress. Mm. You should stick at that level, maybe mm. a tiny bit below that for a little mm. while. How's this for a, for an RPE running metaphor? Imagine uh, you are a, a 10k runner. And each kilometre is equivalent to an RPE point on the scale. So if you... <laughs> sure, it's not going to be. So if you are, have graded your way up to working at a three to four kilometre distance and you're feeling okay, and then you jump to a six kilometre distance and you go, oh no, feeling quite increased symptoms, quite fatigued the next day, more than I should be. Great. Bring it back down to a four to five and see how that feels. Just like the RPE scale. Magnificent. Wow. How about that? Well done. Again. Thank you. <laughs> well, this, this next question kind of follows on from that. Um, how hard should I push if I am short of breath? Okay. If you are experiencing anything above moderate shortness of breath. So, for example you can't talk in a normal way at a moderate level of exercise. So like, Joe, yes. I am struggling to talk. Exactly. That kind of out yes. of breath. Yep. Particularly if it's an activity that you used to be able to do easily, hmm. then that's not acceptable. Okay. And we need to take the intensity down. Or if you're starting to get worried about how short of breath you are is also another hmm. key sign. Um, but, you know, you can actually look up on the internet um, shortness of breath scale. Hmm. And it's it's like the RPE scale. So it will be zero to, I think it's 10. Hmm. Um, yeah, you don't want to be going above a three, which is moderate in any kind of exercise setting. Um, and if, if you're used to training, you, you'll know when shortness of breath is okay. And then when, oh, no, that feels like I'm actually struggling to breathe. Hmm. Hmm. You struggle with that a little bit uh, in our social sport. Yeah. Yeah. So Which I... is ultimate frisbee. <laughs> ultimate frisbee. <laughs> You're just jealous. Anyway. Why are you laughing, Anthony? Yeah. I am very sport. jealous. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah, as you should be. Yeah. <laughs> you should come down. <laughs> so I actually ended up developing asthma because of COVID. Which I find very ironic given that I am an exercise physiologist <laughs> and I'd never, ever, ever had asthma mm. before. And I remember my first frisbee game when I tried to run. So, you know, they blow the whistle or the mm. horn and it's game and I like sprinted for the frisbee. And then I just like basically stood there wheezing mm. and I couldn't get a breath in. And I was like, damn, I'm so unfit. Mm. I didn't know at the time that was asthma. 
Mm. Or, you know, I would like just be lying in bed in a cold night and I would just start coughing or like my partner would make me laugh really hard and then I'd be like, hey, coughing. But <laughs> <laughs> 30 minutes afterwards. Oh, no. And I went to my doctor, they were like, yeah, you probably should have picked that up. I was like, well, <laughs> I just thought I was deconditioned because of COVID. God, I swear Joe was a great EP. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes, so can relate. Can relate. Mm. Is it realistic to get back to what I was doing before? Yes. Yes. For yes. sure. Maybe uh, not straight away. Mm. Maybe not. Just because you have finished your seven days of isolation doesn't mean, great, dust myself off, back out to what I was doing before. It might take a little bit of trial and error to work out, okay, where am I able to manage? And then what intensity am I able to manage? and then build from there. So yes, but you know, don't expect and don't push yourself to necessarily be there straight away. Yeah, especially if you, if you don't have that pressure on you. Mm. You know, if it's just you putting that on yourself, maybe this is a really nice time to step back and reflect. Mm. Do I have to be putting that much pressure on myself to be good at what I want to do all the time or mm. can I take a moment? Ooh, that got deep. <laughs> uh, top tips for helping recovery while I have COVID. Hey, when you need to rest, actually take a rest. And that involves not, if you can, uh, pushing through with like your work days as well, if you're really struggling with that, actually giving yourself a chance to rest and sleep as much as you need to if, if you are struggling. Mm. I, th I think when you brought up work then, it's a really good one. But like, just because you've had um, your, your week of mandatory isolation doesn't necessarily mean that you are ready to return to full duties of your job if you're not like make that known and don't go no 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 I, I had my had my seven days off um, I'm fine now I, I, I'm over the infection it's like if you're not fine be not fine don't push yourself through it just because you think it's the expectations of your job because you're actually hurting uh, your own recovery and then in turn making it harder for you to return to your full role it's going to take longer yeah mm -hmm. I like that mm. Very it good. is really hard to do I remember feeling so tired when I came back to work mm. like oh what's wrong with me I've got no idea never been this tired and I had to not do basically anything outside of work to be able to make it possible that I could work and mm. talk to people and not lose my voice and mm. have the energy to give them what I wanted to give them, which is my full attention. Mm. Mm. Which is, you know, made it uh, like doable for you to, to be here. Yeah. But like, I imagine it affected the rest of your life. <laughs> Not in a positive way. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard, but it was also temporary. Exactly. I would say two months until I started feeling normal again. Mm. But if I had continued to push, I imagine that would have been much longer. Mm much much longer or if you tried to do back to full-time work plus back to full-time rowing mm. oh yeah no i was not i think i did a half a lap which is like two kilometers and then i was like taking it in <laughs> get someone else carry my boat <laughs> i'm not doing this two kilometers still sounds like a lot of it rowing really long, like, oh my god yeah i, I guess it's imagine all, rowing that i guess it's all relative yeah, yeah, I would relative. say that I row slower than I run, so <laughs> and I don't run very fast. You row slower than you run. Yeah, like if I'm racing someone, like you know, someone's 
because I row kind of near the Anzac Bridge. There's like a yeah. bay and people jog along there. Yeah. Those joggers are beating me all the time. I'm like, right. oh, I can't keep up. <laughs> you have a little more like friction in the water though, I feel like. Yeah, maybe. I don't yeah. know what the whole physics side yeah. is, but I feel like I should be able to go far. Andrew does. Andrew did physics at uni. Oh, yeah. Andrew. <laughs> Tell us about the buoyancy effect. Yeah. So many things. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Yes to all of the things. Yes to yeah. those things. Yeah, good. They exist. Thank you. So, uh, we've talked about a bit today, so maybe Joe, um, what, are, what are some of the, the top takeaways that people should take? From this number one is the guidelines say to rest for 10 days from your diagnosis and the onset of symptoms and then you want to be seven days symptom free ideally before returning to your normal activities number two is using a graded exercise approach so going from normal activities res- restoration of that into light activity so if we're using our rpe scale two to three on that scale and then once you're good with that and no symptoms have progressed and you're feeling nice back into moderate and then again into your normal intensity and, and higher half iron hands yep. yeah, half iron hands yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly um understanding that there are different risk categories so mm. you may have received different advice based on your your mm. risk category and that's okay mm. I think my main takeaway is that uh, everyone's recovery is very individual and that's the same when it comes to your graded return to exercise as well. That that doesn't mean that everyone starts at a walk. If you are a very, very fit runner, that means your light intensity, your two to three, is a light jog. Whereas a light jog for someone else might be high intensity, like an eight or a nine. So just knowing what light intensity actually is for you and it's not the same as uh, your mate next door. I think that's all of the main takeaways. Uh, Andrew, your takeaway on the beer. It's gone down very well, yeah. very easily. Very, uh, very easily. Would, would recommend to a friend. Mm. Wonderful. With a rhyme as well. With mm. <laughs> would recommend <laughs> to a friend. a friend. I got it from Bayfield, so you can buy it there. Uh, when I was looking for it, I couldn't get it at Liquorland. I couldn't get it at BWS, um, but apparently you can get it at Dan Murphy's, so you might need to go to your bigger um, liquor store. Maybe. I don't know why I'm giving people recommendations on where to find beer. Um, we, we are not sponsored by <laughs> Dan Murphy's yeah. or, or Bayfields. But, but are open to But are open to sponsorship. <laughs> sure, you wish to well. give us some beers. <laughs> we will uh, add a graded sponsorship program. <laughs> <laughs> We started the light and then we got into the IPA. (laughs) Um, But yes. Joe, thank you for coming on. That was wonderful. That was an immense amount of great information. I think we summarised it well in those takeaways, but I think it definitely could be worth going back and re-listening. And also referring this one on to anyone you think it could be relevant for who has received some advice about COVID or is struggling with their recovery or does have a lot of questions and you don't know where to send them and they're not the kind of person who's going to read a full risk stratification form, listen to us. Wouldn't that be good? Yeah. Woohoo. All right, guys. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening. Joe, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Andrew, thank you. Thank you. Goodbye.